This is Generation Justice, broadcasting from the University of New Mexico, 89.9 KUNM and KUNM.org. I'm your host, Polly Dineclaw. And I'm your other host, Derek Toledo. Generation Justice is a multimedia project that trains youth to create media that inspires social change. During the next hour, we'll be discussing legislative bills and memorials that our community should be keeping an eye on during this legislative session. Then we'll talk to Frank and Palaletto about the history of Carnival and celebrating in New Mexico, their work with children, and the upcoming production of Carnival 2015, Port to Port. We'll also be announcing upcoming community events to add to your calendar. Stay tuned for all of that and some hot music to keep you driven and inspired. To kick off our show is Invincible with our song, Sledgehammer. Listen, I got a passion for spitting, smashing the competition. Vocals a logo for the back to back world champion. Pistons undebatable, flesh is biodegradable. People ego deflatable, see no evil inflatable. January 20th marked the first day of the 2015 legislative session in New Mexico. We're going to mention just a few of the bills and memorials to keep an eye on. Because they really do impact our community and our future. The first three legislations we'll mention are around standardized testing. House Bill 15, sponsored by Democrat Representative Bill McCamley, proposes to limit school days for statewide testing. Another legislation sponsored by Representative McCamley is House Joint Memorial 3. This memorial requests that public education departments report to the legislature about how much money is being spent on contracts for standardized tests. And Senate Bill 205, sponsored by Democrat Senator John Sapien, proposes to temporarily delay the use of some students' test scores during teacher evaluations and annual school grades. Those are just a few of the legislations about standardized testing to continue to watch. Now here's Pete Tigger with What Did You Learn in School Today? What did you learn in school today, dear little boy of mine? What did you learn in school today, dear little boy of mine? I learned that Washington never told a lie. I learned that soldiers seldom die. I learned that everybody's free. That's what the teacher said to me. That's what I learned in school today. That's what I learned in school This legislative session, many bills and memorials about mental health and wellness have been proposed. One bill is around the issue of bullying. Senate Bill 148, sponsored by Democrat Senator Mimi Stewart, proposes to require charter school governing bodies to create a bullying plan. The next three bills directly address mental health and youth suicide prevention. House Bill 108, sponsored by Democrat Representative Patricia Lundstrom, proposes to provide statewide investment zones for prioritizing behavioral health service delivery. Declaring an emergency in our state. Democrat Senator Georgie Ortiz Pino is sponsoring Senate Bill 43, proposing to transfer the administration of the Adolescent Treatment Hospital and Residential Treatment Facility to the Board of Regents of the University of New Mexico from the Department of Health. Also, Senate Joint Memorial 4, sponsored by Republican Senator Sanders, who requests that the New Mexico Association of Counties study housing and clinical service options for individuals with serious mental illness who are in custody or awaiting trial within the state's county detention facilities. Those are a few of the bills and memorials supporting mental health and wellness in our state. Up next is the Shins with their song, Sleeping Lessons. 
legislation being proposed around the issue of homelessness. House Bill 47, sponsored by Democrat Representative Tomas Salazar, proposes to make an appropriation for permanent supportive housing services and rapid rehousing services for the homeless. On the Senate side, Senate Bill 88, sponsored by Democrat Senator Nancy Rodriguez, is proposing a very similar legislation. Senate Bill 61, sponsored by Republican Senator Sander Rue, proposes to amend and enact sections of the Affordable Housing Act to create clear definitions, rules, and penalties for housing assistance grants. Senate Bill 119, sponsored by Democrat Senator Bill O'Neill, proposes to amend the Hate Crimes Act to include crimes motivated by hate against homeless people. The last three bills help the most vulnerable populations in our community. Here's merchandise with their song, Anxiety's Door, talking about homelessness. The next set of bills revolve around physical health and well-being for those in our community. One bill was created to address LGBTQIA discrimination. Senate Joint Memorial 1, sponsored by Democrat Senator Jacob Candelaria, requests that the Secretary of Health convene a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer health disparities task force to analyze health disparities and make recommendations for addressing those disparities. Here's two bills that have been created to address teen pregnancy. House Bill 37, sponsored by Democrat Representative Gail Chasey, proposes to enact the Pregnant Worker Accommodation Act, which would prohibit discrimination in employment on the basis of pregnancy or childbirth requiring employers to make reasonable accommodations within these circumstances. Senate Bill 116, sponsored by Democrat Senator Nancy Rodriguez, which proposes an appropriation to provide for the establishment of a statewide perinatal collaborative. Here's one bill that has been created to address cancer and chronic health. Senate Bill 152, sponsored by Democrat Senator Howie Morales, proposes to enact the Health Security Act, which would provide comprehensive statewide health care. Another bill was created to address substance abuse. Senate Bill 140, sponsored by Democrat Senator Michael Padilla, proposes to create the Outdoor Youth Program Act. This program is designed to provide educational, disciplinary counseling, and behavioral or substance abuse services to minors. Last but certainly not least, a bill was created to address institutional racism. Senate Joint Memorial 15, sponsored by Democrat Senator Linda Lopez, encourages every agency and entity that receives state funding to adopt a policy to address institutional racism. Whew, that was a long list. But it's also important to remember this is just a glimpse of the many important bills that are being proposed during this year's legislative session. Now here's our next track tonight, Glaciers by the 1960 sci-fi era.
Every year around this time, something spectacular happens in Albuquerque. People from all over our state are taking on their musical and theatrical journey during the annual Carnival, which is co-directed by Frank and Pilar Leto. Tonight, they'll share with us the history of Carnival, their passion for culture, music, dance, celebration, and love for each other. And how they combine all this to create an amazing performance every year. Here's Generation Justice's very own Maya Quinones with Pilar and Frank Leto. This is Maya Quinones with Generation Justice. I am joined tonight by Pilar and Frank Leto. Welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you. Um, can you please tell us a little bit about yourselves? Well, I am. Uh, I wear a lot of different hats, I guess. Uh, during the day, I'm a music teacher and a steel band instructor and Montessori teacher. Um, I also write music for children and compose music for my band, Pandemonium. And with my wife, we put on not only children's concerts, but also our annual carnival concert, which utilizes both dance and music, so keeps me busy. Um, I'm Filipina, born and raised in San Francisco. First generation, as they say, my parents were born in the Philippines. And um, I grew up um, in the city, inner city, and proudly so, and uh, was actually very political in my very, very young ages, in, in my early teens, very, very political, um, before recognizing that I was Filipino, I was working with the the late Cesar Chavez, you know, so I got to meet him and go to meetings with him. I'm that old. <laughs> it was really wonderful. And then um, really began the plight of working for uh, local Filipinos um, against martial law because Marcos was in power at that time. So I was very, very political at a young age, then fell into the music scene, jazz music scene helped create this incredible loft jazz uh, underground kind of loft scene there still at a young age and uh, all of a sudden salsa and samba hit um, from New York to the Bay Area and it was hot as could be and that was it I didn't want to do anything else forget everything else and that's where I met Frank in a Brazilian music and dance group thank you and this question is for Frank. Um, how did you first become interested in teaching music? First of all, I didn't have... I, I was an okay student, but I didn't really like school. I never wanted to be a teacher. That was like one of the last things on my mind. And I had quite a bit of success as a musician. And I decided to go to college and study music. But I was a different kind of musician than the people that were in college because they were all classical musicians and I was already playing blues and jazz and rock and different kinds of music. So it was at that time while I was in college that I went for a job interview at a Montessori school. I never heard of Montessori before. 
and they were looking for somebody to sing songs with kids. And I knew I liked little kids, and these were little toddlers and stuff. So I <clears throat> just went to this school, and when I went there, uh, the woman brought some children in, and I had to sing some songs with them. I wasn't even prepared. I think I just sang ABC and Five Little Monkeys or something like that, and she hired me. And this was a Montessori school. So uh, she hired me as an assistant. So while I worked at that school, I did everything. I mean, I mopped floors, I cleaned toilets, I shoveled snow. I mean, I literally did everything at that school. And then after school, I tried to leave and she'd say, oh, let me show you how to do the binomial cube. And so she taught me all the materials. And then after about six months, she gave me a scholarship to take the Montessori training. So when I took the Montessori training, I was already pretty disillusioned with trying to be a musician and studying music at the college that I was at. So by taking the Montessori training, everything that they said as they were teaching me to be a Montessori teacher, I was thinking, how can I use this to pass on music to children? And then that's when I realized, hey, this could be maybe my calling, something that, you know, I could be good at because I like children. And she thought I was a natural, very calm and loving and supportive with children. So just hearing her approach, Maria Montessori, she was, she's my real mentor. I really model myself after how you're supposed to act in a Montessori classroom and the role model that you're supposed to be for the children. And so that's how I got involved in teaching. <laughs> long, long answer. So going back to Pilad, um, how did you become interested in, in music and, and in dance um, mm. and in teaching it? A very young influence. Uh, at the age of six, uh, my uncle from the Philippines came by and decided to show um, all of the youth in, involved with the Filipino group, which my parents were involved with, how to dance. And so he put a little group together and that really hooked me into performing and dancing, um, my native dances. And later in high school, that was my first organized dance class. And it was kind of surprising because it's late in life for that. Um, but it was modern dance and I didn't really like modern dance. It didn't move me and groove me. Um, as I mentioned, I got involved with jazz music and that was in San Francisco, influenced by friends. And then as I mentioned, the salsa samba scene came by and really took hold of me. Um, when I met Frank in the Brazilian music dance group, we started dating and I thought I would never leave the Bay Area and Frank said that he would travel to Hawaii and I said I'm going with you because he's just an amazing person and in Hawaii we were kind of really isolated from the other influences of, of everything that we loved so to keep it alive in us, uh, Frank was always a musician, to keep it alive in me, I started teaching dance <coughs> and, and, keep, and immersed myself in doing that. And I really, I was really t a terrible dance instructor and I learned to be a really good one. You know, I've learned to 
make it work for me. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned that you really became an, an awesome teacher. Um, and I think my little sister and my mom can testify to that because, you know, <laughs> I see my little sister practicing samba in front of the mirror and <laughs> she just she loves your classes. So um, so thank you for for being a teacher. And Frank mentioned earlier um, the Carnival celebration that is coming up. Um, would you guys like to talk about that? Carnival is like an incredible time of the year. And unless you really have experienced it, you don't really know what it's about. So be- before I went to San Francisco, I had lived in the Virgin Islands, and where I worked at the Virgin Islands Montessori School, and they had carnival there, where they play calypso music, just like they do in Trinidad and Tobago, with a lot of steel bands. And so the school that I worked at, we would participate in the carnival parade. So we would, the night before, all the parents would stay up, and we'd build this float, and next thing you know, we'd be it's the morning and we have to take the children's parade to on the street so people stay up all night just to build the float because it takes that long you don't have the use of the flatbed until five o'clock when he's done with it so and then it would be like a long day on playing on a flatbed of a truck we'd be playing music and there'd be people on the side screaming for for you and cheering for you and at night, you go hear the Calypso band. So, I mean, I really got carnival fever while I was in the Virgin Islands. So I'd never been to carnival in Brazil, but when I went to San Francisco, I performed with the Brazilian dance company. And that's when we were getting ready for to celebrate carnival in San Francisco with this Brazilian troupe. So instead of playing Calypso like I used to do in the Virgin Islands, we were playing samba. So <clears throat> because that's how Pilar and I met, Every year we've celebrated Carnival by putting on some kind of show and depending on where I've played and I mean that's 30 plus years of putting on shows and the shows keep getting bigger and better and more creative. I think that that's the best part of it is it's sort of a venue for us. It's an outlet for us to be creative. Um, I think we are very unique in that well one our carnival show does something that no other artists do which is we show carnival in cuba and we show carnival in brazil and in new orleans and also in trinidad and tobago so the musicians have to be pretty diversified and be able to play all these different kinds of music and i think the other thing about pilar and i even these 30 plus years is that you know i'm a musician she's a dancer that's how things support each other. Um, she's my inspiration for when I'm playing drums, just as when I'm playing drums, I'm inspiring her. So we've had a lifetime together of inspiring each other and lifting each other and supporting each other in the arts. So Pilad, what is, um, what is the history of Carnival? Frank and I moved here about, hmm, over 20 years ago and as Frank had mentioned we were doing Carnaval and started working actually here at UNM they were having a huge Brazilian event where they brought in Milton Nascimento and we were so excited to be asked to be on the same bill 
as Milton Nascimento and several other guests. And that really helped get our community here in Albuquerque jazzed about carnival. It, it, it appeared that they hadn't had a carnival here. I don't believe so, but not in the way that we brought it. So that's how it started for us here. We then brought it to different community events years after. Um, there was a place called Siegel Street that was jumping. And it was Jim Schumacher's place, and it was the place to be when we first moved here. And that community really embraced Carnaval. So every single year, we brought it here, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And we found that we're not the only people that love Brazilian music and that love Carnaval time. It's really cool to hear that you guys are you know, meeting at a carnival celebration and then, you know, all of that love that happened there and then you guys bringing that same love back to our community is really amazing. And I think part of the reason that the show has been so successful is because of that, because um, everyone can see, you know, the love that, that exists between you two, but then the love that you give back to the community and give back to us is, um, that's something that we really enjoy. That's why I love being there. That's why my family loves being there. So, thank um, you, <laughs> thank you guys. Going back to a little bit of like the history of carnival in general, what is what is the difference between, you know, different areas of where it's celebrated? You know, you mentioned Cuba, um, you mentioned um, New Orleans. Um, what is the difference like in you know? Well, carnival, location? the word carnival means without meat, because it's supposed to happen right before Lent. Carnival used to be more of kind of a harvest celebration, kind of an African approach. When they had a celebration, the whole village would play drums and people would dance and sing and celebrate for a good harvest. So in the New World, even as slaves, they were allowed to celebrate and play drums only at this time that the Catholic Church said kind of pre-Lent. So during Lent, people have to meditate and they have to give up certain things. You're not supposed to, you know, smoke or drink or use bad language. You're supposed to pray. You're not supposed to eat meat. Uh, it's, a, it's a time for cleansing. So carnival happens right before people have to give all those things up. So people ended up using it as a way to sort of get it out of their system if they know they're not going to be able to eat meat for almost a month they eat a lot of meat during carnival or if they know they can't dance or they can't play music they do it during carnival so that's where the word comes from carnival without meat um, so all of these places celebrate carnival I think the greatest underlying theme about carnival and what most people take to heart with carnival is that it's a celebration of life it's a time in your life where you don't look at all the negative things or worry about bills or anything else. It's a time where you reflect on the positive, wonderful things that you have in your life that should give you reason to go out and sing and dance and play and have a good time. That's the theme of Carnival, is to not be a downer, don't be depressed, to go out there and just have fun and celebrate life.
life is a beautiful thing. And, you know, in a few days you could worry about your bills later, but during Carnival nobody worries about that. So what kinds of uh, dancers and musicians can we expect in, in watching the show Carnival? Are they local musicians? Are they um, local dancers? Where do they come from? Almost everyone is local. There is one person um, in the group that we brought in from Las Vegas. Every other person, there's going to be 35 people sharing this stage. Everyone else is local. I think the best part of Carnival for us is that, and you mentioned this, uh, is community. We do this for the community, but we can't do it without the community. And we can't do it without the support of the musicians and the dancers and all these people that are giving up their time. Also, we have quite a few sponsors this year that are donating money and food. And, you know, we're blessed because people get behind our cause. Our cause is to spread culture and to spread knowledge and educate people about carnival and other places and different styles of music and costumes and to do it in a fun way. So all these things are very important. The community, the support of the band, support of the people. This is what carnival is really about. Yeah. Um, I think the music part of it is something that kind of really connects to me because it's it's something that I grew up with and I think you guys don't really may not realize that your music has been a part of my life um, you know for for a while and it's and it's kind of I think it's like that for me but I think it's also like that for a lot of other people in the community um, just kids in the community we've grown up hearing your music and then now that we're old enough to you know put a name to a face it's like um, and then we see you on stage and um, it's kind of a whole different um, perspective and it's a whole, you know, it's a whole other experience for us. And so that's something Thank that's you. that's also really um, important for the community. Also, why should we come out and spend our Valentine's Day with you guys? Well, I think it's going to be a good time for everybody that's there. Uh, this is this band only plays like a couple times a year. Uh, we only play this. I don't perform that often so uh, it's a great experience to get the band on stage with the dancers and the costumes and the lights it's like we're able to take this to the next level and we, we can't do that playing in clubs on Central and even just playing you know concerts at the museum or things like that we need a theater we've developed a show to the point where I think this show could go to any stage anywhere in the world with the same people, the same musicians, and knock the audience off their feet. Because we have a lot of talented people here in Albuquerque, and to put all those talented people up on one stage for two nights is a special event that nobody should miss in this town. Thank you. Um, is there anything else you guys would like to add, Vilad? Well, speaking of Valentine's Day um, and our carnival, if you're stuck here in Albuquerque and you can't go on a cruise <laughs> to any of these places, what better place to go? 
is to Carnival on the 13th and the 14th. Um, also, on the 14th, at the National Hispanic Cultural Center, Latin Dance Festival Love Fest is happening at the ballroom. So after our show, ticket holders can go to their event just in another building and get $5 off. So guess where we're going for our cast party? We're going to go to Love Fest. So that's going to be so much fun, and I can hardly wait. Thank you. Um, again, Carnival is on February 13th and 14th at 7.30 p.m., um, and tickets are on sale now. Thank you, Frank and Pilar, for speaking with us. You're welcome. Thank you, Maya. Whoa, how have I not heard of Carnival yet? That sounds exactly like my kind of atmosphere. Like the, I love that it revolves around just having fun, like just having fun in the moment and you can worry about the bills tomorrow. Celebrate life today, live your life, just have fun, love life, live life with your friends and family and worry about your bills tomorrow. I love that. I totally agree with you, Derek. That's the when Frank and Pilar were both talking about Carnival as a celebration of life, it was, it like clicked something. It was like, you know, thinking about how precious every day is. And sometimes when we're going through life, we forget that. We forget to honor each day and, you know, feeling blessed for each day that we get. And I really want to thank um, Pilar and Frank Leto for talking with us at Generation Justice and sharing the rich history of your lives as well as Carnival. And also a shout out to our own Maya Quinones for this great, amazing interview. Thank you, Maya. Now here's a song by Frank and Pilar Leto titled Cabioso. <laughs>
To kick off this week's community calendar, we have an event tomorrow, February 9th, on the east side of the Roundhouse in Santa Fe. It's Moral Monday. What's Moral Monday, Polly? It's a tradition that originated in North Carolina that's made its way all the way here to New Mexico. Every Monday of the legislative session, it's a day where community groups come together to support an issue. Oh yeah, I heard this Moral Monday's theme is the budget as a moral document. You're right, Derek. They'll be urging our legislature that our community and and economy cannot be healthy when we lack access to high-quality resources for our education and our health. So if you're interested in going, it will be from 12 to 2 p.m. tomorrow. It will also be live-streamed online at nmlegis.gov. Also, if you have any questions, please call 505-206-1683. Speaking of health and wellness resources... There's another cool event coming up this Tuesday. Health Leadership High School will be holding an open house and health fair event on February 10th from 4.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. Yeah, it'll be at the Health Leadership High School at 1900 Randolph Southeast, just west of Yale Boulevard. You'll have an opportunity to learn about community health resources and also be able to enjoy dinner with administrators and teachers. Health Leadership High School offers both day and evening classes with hands-on learning and opportunities for dual enrollment for 9th through 11th grade students. For more information, call 505-750-4547. There's so many exciting events coming up. Later this week on Thursday, our community will have a chance to enjoy Native American storytelling. Heck yes, I love storytelling. Where is this happening at? It's called Love for Culture, and it's at the Southwest Indian Polytechnic Institute. Shoot, my cousin Miranda goes to Sippy. She hasn't told me anything about any storytelling yet. Well, it's at 7 p.m., and it's part of a three-day event that will celebrate culture, community, and love. The storytellers will be Sunny Dooley from Navajo Land, M.H. Kim Garcia from Santa Ana Pueblo, and Jerry Goloshov Sr. from White Mountain Apache. When I was little, my elementary school brought Sunny Dooley to tell us some amazing stories. I still wash my face every morning because she says it prepares you for the rest of your day. If you have any questions, feel free to call 505-346-2360. On Friday the 13th, the day before Valentine's, it will be World Radio Day. We'll celebrate why we love it and why we need it more than ever. It's a day to remember that radio is a way that we connect worldwide. It's a bridge of communication for everyone. It's also the best medium adapted to navigate the new digital frontiers that are pushing the media and communication into uncharted waters. To celebrate World Radio Day, use hashtag GJLove to tell us why you love our amazing radio show. There's a lot coming up this Friday. There's even another event at the Santa Fe Roundhouse. It's the 100 Kid March or 1000 Kid March from 10:30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Rally with parents, children, and early educators around the state to support early childhood education. You can also voice your support to our New Mexico legislature by using the hashtag ThousandKidMarch. You can even catch a ride on the bus from Albuquerque to the Roundhouse. Reserve your space by calling 505-280-1722. So much has been happening around Santa Fe lately. There's even a revolution going on. It's called the One Billion Rising Revolution. Stand in solidarity to honor our mothers, sisters, daughters, grandmothers, and friends. This is our opportunity to join the worldwide decision to end violence against women. 
it's an opportunity to show the community what it means when 250,000 women and girls are at risk of experiencing violence in their lifetime. Around the perimeter of the Santa Fe Place Market, there will be drumming, dancing, and marching for the revolution to make the invisible visible. The revolution will begin at 1 p.m. Our next song is by Frank and Pilar Leto, co-directors of Carnival 2015 Port to Port, which is happening Friday, February 13th, and Saturday the 14th, starting at 7.30 p.m. on both days. This great performance will be taking place at the National Hispanic Cultural Center. Now here's another song by Frank and Pilar Leto called Congo Habanera. reached the end of tonight's program. Thank you all for joining us this evening as we explored the New Mexico legislative session, spoke to Frank and Pilar Leto, and listened to some inspiring music. We would like to thank Pilar and Frank Leto for that inspiring conversation and for taking the time to talk with us. And thank you to Maya Quinones for conducting the interview. Thanks to our audio editors for tonight's show, Chantel Trujillo, Christina Rodriguez, and Camaria Umi. Engineering in studio tonight is the wonderful Camaria Umi. Shout out to Chantel Trujillo, Christina Rodriguez, George Luna Pena, Melissa Harris, and Roberto Rael, who all worked on the production of this program. Much appreciation to all our youth media makers here at Generation Justice. We couldn't do what we do without you. Stay connected with us. Check out our website, generationjustice.org where you can listen to all of our past radio programs, see music playlists, read our blogs, watch videos, and much, much more. Also, our podcasts are now available on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe. We're also active on social media, so please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 
Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the McCune Foundation. And of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. I'm your host, Derek Toledo. And I'm your other host, Polly Dineklaw. To end our program tonight, we'll leave you with a few closing songs. Up next on KUNM is Spoken Word. See you next Sunday at 7 o'clock. May your week be blessed.